Hey, good morning, everybody. Yeah, it's about 6.17 in the morning on this Thursday morning, um, May 14th, 2020. For me, at work, it is payday, so thank you. Sorry about that. Did it again for the... See, that's what I mean by it's so early. Let me adjust the mic there. Uh, hold on for a second. Make sure everything's working. There. Um, hopefully, you got. Hopefully, you guys can hear me. Um, yeah. Hopefully, you guys can hear me. I do apologize for that. Yeah, but like I said, it is Thursday, May fourteenth, twenty twenty. It is indeed payday for me at work today. Uh, it is about six eighteen. I can sit in the morning. Adjust my headset here. I do apologize for a little bit of the inconvenience there, so I do apologize. But anyway, yeah, it is about uh, 6, 17. So I'm just checking my camera, make sure everything's adjusted right. Okay. But like I said, it is about almost 6.20, actually. And yes, I've been up about 5.30, but I've been trying to wake myself up. Heck, I had to <laughs> grab the last of my um, cafe mocha that I've had in the fridge just to wake me up, because if I turn on the coffee pot, you know, I wake up the others in the house, so I don't want to do that, you know. Um, but anyway, yeah, I wanted to come on here with this uh, live stream today, and you can see the title. It is talking, it is a, we are here to do a bit of a talking of variety. I may have to correct that title. Yeah, talking about, I should say about, there we go. A variety of animation and comic book story topics and discussions. Yes. That is what we are here to talk about. Now, you might think this, when you look at the description, you might say, well, it sounds like a typical topics on my mind video. And it would. It would sound like that. There's no doubt about it. But it is not like that. Instead, and it, like I said, it is similar, but it is different. Um, so anyway, so anyway, though, uh, with that said, what are the, uh, discussion points we're going to look at here, uh, today? Well, as I link this on to various places on Twitter and stuff, hold on for a sec. Here we go. And put down to Twitter and other variety of places. I do apologize. Um, <coughs> uh, but anyway, so I just was checking something there. Um, like I said, it's early, so you know, you have to apologize. I have to apologize for a little of the. If I'm not fully awake, I mean, I'm getting there. I mean, heck, towards the end of work yesterday, I suddenly just started to pick up a little bit. Like, whoa, where did this, you know, side of me come from, you know? Um, 
but yeah, you know, again, the uh, the topics we're going to talk about here, or at least, yeah, the variety of animation, comic book story topics and discussions we're going to talk and discuss about here. Uh, basically, it's only five. It's not six, like a typical topics on my mind. So that's, you know, basically why it's similar, but not in that same equation. say it's similar but it's not in uh, that same equation as I check everything here okay so the first one we're going to talk about is why and I should have said in my opinion but I'm sure a lot of people would agree um, why the Chippendale Rescue Rangers episode Double O Chipmunk uh, stands out as one of the best Disney afternoon episodes of all time and why we could uh, see a remake. I forgot to put C, so let me do that. See a remake slash retake of it if Disney decides to do decides to uh, do a Rescue Rangers uh, reboot um, in the near future, kind of like what they've done with DuckTales and potentially will be doing with Darkwing Duck and maybe even Goof Troop. And perhaps even Tailspin if they decide uh, to go with them um, as well. So we're going to talk about that. The other thing we're going to talk about, number two, because this is both animation and comic books we're talking about. The second thing we'll talk about is Sally's robotization at the end of Sonic issue number 30 when it was under the RG Comics banner. And from a story, and from a story perspective, uh, from a story perspective, easy for me to say, how it could have been, I forget to put how, so I'll put that right now, it could have been avoided. So yeah, the second thing is, we're going to talk about is Sally's robotization, that's Princess Sally, Sally Acorn, and her robotization at the end of issue 230, when it was under the Archie Sonic, uh, under the Archie Comics banner, but that being the Sonic comic book series, and from a story perspective, how it could have been uh, avoided. Number three, speaking of comics, we're going to stay on that. Number three is why IDW Comics, as freelance as they can be, seem more willing to ship the main seven slash eight, which is originally the main six, over the creative staff of the animated series of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Now, what I mean by that is basically why are we seeing, when you read the main comic book, um, um, spin-off of uh, or the main comic book adaptation of the of the franchise uh, by IDW, why they're more willing to do these kind of things over the animated series. <coughs> excuse me. And I don't think and uh, excuse me there, a bit of allergies and all that. Don't worry. It's a sore throat too. Uh, don't worry. I don't have it. So, if you know what I mean. You know, God's watching over me so I don't have it. Uh, but like I said, you know, I'm going to talk about that. Number four, uh, could we see? Could we end up seeing more adult or all ages animated series like The Midnight Gospel, which is on Netflix right now, debut in the coming years? Uh, I'll talk about that. And the final one, the fifth one, is with all these animated reboots slash retcons debuting over the past couple of years, and with more on tap for the coming future, what other classic animated series could we see 
getting that same treatment. So, yeah, those are the topics we're going to talk about. And like I said, we're going to talk about why Double O Chipmunk is one of the best uh, Disney Afternoon episodes of all time or why we could see another one, another take on it, a reboot of it or remake of it. We're going to talk about Sally's robotization in uh, issue 230 when it was uh, when the comic was under the Archie Comics uh, banner. We're going to talk about why IDW is more willing to ship the main six or main seven slash eight over the creative staff of the animated series for My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. We're going to talk about whether or not we can end up seeing a more adult or all ages animated series like The Midnight Gospel. And again, what other shows could end up getting a reboot slash retcon treatment from the past today? So with that said, we are at 6.26 a.m. I have to get ready in a little bit to get ready to get taken to work. So let's talk about the first thing on uh, tap here. And that is why the Chippendale Rescue Rangers episode Double O Chipmunk stands out as one of the best Disney Afternoon episodes of all time. And why we could see a remake slash retake of it if Disney decides to do a Rescue Rangers reboot. Now, um, in case now, I know some people might think, "Oh, it's just your own personal preference." Yeah, we. Yeah, that's. I should say that is kind of true. It is kind of a personal preference, but uh, I don't think I'm alone in it, guys. I, I, I don't. I don't think I'm alone in it. Um, I think a lot of people would agree that when you look at. Um, when you look at Double O Chipmunk, that out of all the episodes that they did, and they did a lot of great episodes, they had some very unique episodes in the series at times. You know, they had, I mean, for, what was it? Um, what was it? They, um, they had the Rangers go to Japan, and by going to Japan, they end up getting enlarged by this ray at the end of, towards the end of the episode. They become human size. It's not bigger than the humans themselves. Um, what else? You, you have an episode where Gadget, you have episodes where Gadget goes not one, but not once, but twice Gadget goes on a rampage. You see her become, as they called it in a promo a long time ago, Rambo Et. Uh, when it came to the case of the Colocult, when they were previewing that, uh, dirty rotten diapers. You saw her just snap, or as Chip basically said in the episode, "blow a gasket." So you've seen uh, the show do a lot of unique things uh, in the past. <coughs> Excuse me, there. Heck, they had the Rangers confront a freaking Sphinx in Egypt. So, you know, you, you, had, you had, you know, you had stuff like, you know, you had stuff like that. So, it's, it's really, so, you know, when you look at Double O Chipmunk and you say, and you or someone like me that comes out and says it's one of the best of all time in the Disney afternoon, if not the series of Rescue Rangers, you know, that is that is high praise. That That is high praise because of the fact that, to me, 
Double O Chipmunk, as I've said before, had a variety of firsts to it. It had a variety of firsts. And, <coughs> excuse me. And uh, I don't think anybody could deny that. I don't think anybody here would deny that Double O Chipmunk Chipmunk had a variety of firsts. And, and you're right, Bugs. I, I don't know that. I don't know that. But again, it's just an opinion. But I'm sure the others that kind of share the same sentiment of, oh, you know, it is pretty good. It is one of the best. I mean, because w- w- when you look at Double O Chipmunk, you look at the fact that, as I said, it has a variety of firsts in it. It's the first time we see Dale use a very intelligent side to himself. Excuse me. Excuse me there. But he, it's one of the first times we see Dale use uh, showcase a very inventive, intelligent side to himself, creative side to himself. The only other character we've known to, to have that beforehand was, was Gadget. Gadget uh, basically was the only one uh, to, to have that. <laughs> Excuse me. She was the only one um, that ever um, showcased that side of herself, uh, showcased that side uh, on the team. We've never seen it outside of Gadget. I mean, we knew Dale had an imagination. We knew we knew this because he was a fan of all this variety of pop culture. And to see him apply it in this episode, I don't think any of us saw that coming. And the fact that when you think about it, who was the one that was the most impressed by it? You know, really like blown away by this creative, inventive side of Dale just coming out of nowhere. It was Gadget. She was just surprised by it. She was more appreciative of it. And this led, this led, even though he accidentally smoked her uh, her workshop and the rest of the Ranger headquarters, this led to her basically understanding where he's coming from, feeling sorry for the fact that he went through all this trouble to make this spy suit to want to help contribute to the team then what does she do? She decides with tears in her eyes holding holding the tuxedo the modified tuxedo spy suit she says she she sniffs gives, you know, does a little sniffle with tears in her eyes and she's like if Dale wants to be a secret agent I'm going to help him and why? Because she understands where he's coming from because we've all because we've also seen that well i know i don't have the virus bug because uh i know i don't have um it bugs because of the fact that you know we're protected at my job my you know god my family prays for me every day you know so and if i had it I wouldn't be there right now. That's the thing. So, um, but anyway, but anyway, um, getting back on topic, uh, like I said, she wants to help Dale because if you see throughout the series, and it's played up here a little bit, I guess, that she understands where he's coming from. She sees where he's coming from, and she's willing to help him achieve his goal. And does she help him achieve his goal? (laughs) 
Oh, yeah, she, she helps him all right. A lot of people even point out that she goes beyond helping him. Because what does she do? Obviously, off screen, she takes Dale, she takes Chip and Monterey aside and says, look, guys, you know, Dale may have, <laughs> you know, smoked up the entire um, headquarters, but he had good intentions. You know, she probably, like I said, probably off screen, she probably just tossed it in front of Chip and Monty and said, look, guys, Dale has a good heart, and even though he may have, you know, smoked, um, used his cuffling sex and the, uh, smoked the, the headquarters, he had a, a good intentions. He wants to contribute. So, <clears throat> anyway, anyway, though, like, like I said, uh, basically, she goes beyond beyond her duty, if you will, to help him because not only does she convince Monterey and Chip to tag along to make up for the fact that they made fun of Dale last, uh, the previous night and didn't realize, hey, look, he's trying to help. He's trying to contribute. We see another first in this episode with the Rangers, especially Gadget. You see, we know Gadget can be flirtatious. We know she can be very feminine or uh, stuff like that, you know, she could be, um, yeah, she can be flirtatious, she could be very feminine, be very shy kind of deal, especially when it comes to romance and all that, and, you know, getting attention on her and all that, she, you know, whether or not you would say that she's oblivious to uh, Chippendale's attention to her, she's not, she's not oblivious. She's just more focused on doing what she does, and that's about it. But she knows about it. She knows. So, like I said, despite how you might view that, another first we see with Gadget is she goes out of her comfort zone to make Dale feel better by putting on a red dress, lipstick, thick lipstick, thick eyeshadow, puts on a a white yellowish wig, puts on a necklace, puts on a bracelet, puts on high heels, tans her skin, I guess, or uses uh, some kind of foundational powder to darken her skin. And she ends up become and she ends up pretending that she's her own cousin to get Dale's attention. Or to well yeah, to get Dale's attention, to get him to um to it's okay, Bugs. Don't worry about it. I know you had good intentions and all that. It's just with all the mixed media going, all the mixed signals going around in the media, you never know anymore. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, like I said, um, a Gadget basically, she beautifies herself up, femme fatales herself up a little, a lot uh, to get Dale's attention to get him to go along with this um, spy adventure that he doesn't realize is a game until later on. He doesn't realize it's a game till later on because what happens is while Dale's going on this quest, this adventure to return this microfilm, which by the time he finds out the truth about what's going on has been switched with actual spy microfilm. 
uh, you know, Dale plays along. You know, he doesn't, you know, over because, like I said, when Dale finds out the truth, he doesn't just come out of the bush and confront them and say, hey, so that's what this was all about? This was just a game to make me feel better? You guys didn't want to take it seriously? You know, he didn't do that. Dale, again, using that intelligent side that we saw of him, says, you know what? You know, if it's a game, I'll play along. I'll play along, no doubt. And I'll make it obvious that I know I'm on to them. But again, like I said, and again, like I said, that's just a no- number of firsts. I mean, heck, in this episode, in this episode, it's the first time that Gadget ever kisses any of the, either Chip or Dale. It's the first time. And she kisses Dale on the lips. And one fan commented or did a comment uh, on a update video I did on the Dale and Gadget shipping uh, that was teased at times in the series and some fans are actually behind. They even pointed out the whole, you know, Chip being jealous deal because Chip was. <laughs> Chip was jealous after he saw that kiss. I mean, Monty was like the first to compliment Gadget on a job well done of being a true femme fatale. But what, is, uh, what does Chip do? Chip's like, uh, you didn't have to kiss him. And Gadget's like, well, isn't that what spies are supposed to do? And you can tell that instead of complimenting her, like Monterey did, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, you didn't have to kiss him. In other words, it's there's that jealousy still there, like, hey, I should have been the first one, not him. <laughs> you know? uh, but yeah, we, we see a lot of first. We, we see a lot of first here. Uh, for example, another first that we see is how they distract the bad guys to, you know, kind of start the domino effect of taking them down. And how do they do this? They do it by chip who was jealous at first, jealous as a kiss, obviously. We have Chip telling Gadget, uh, use your spy act on this on this minion of Francis's or this Racapone lookalike, because that's basically what it, who it is, is a Racapone lookalike. Um, use your, f- rain, your spy act on him to distract him so Dale can take advantage of the situation, so Dale can get a head up on them. Or a head, yeah, uh, a finger up on them, or heads up on them, and of course, Gadget's like, I can't do that. But Chip's like, Look, you have to. It's the only way to save Dale and us. And even though she's reluctant to do it, what does she do? She whistles to the guy that has that helmet that controls the tank. And next thing you know, you see the mouse turn around real quickly, and you see Gadget just doing a sexual move with her shoulders and all that. They're kind of like giving him a little show. And it's like, whoa, you know, where did this side of Gadget come from? It's like, and again, it go, and it, and again, that's a question that gets asked later on. And my finger just hit the mic there. I do apologize. But like I said, that's a, 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 a question that obviously got asked earlier on. Like, whoa, where did this side of Gadget come from? You know? Because when you, Look at the rest of the show, or watch the rest of the show. Yeah, Gadget. You know, she like I said, she shows a feminine side, a shy side. Um, you know, kind of a flirtatious side. Any anytime she gets attention from the guys or something like that, or she wants to get the guys' attentions to help out or to settle down and relax. Um, you know, we see 
we see her have those sides, but not like this. And that's why it's a big, a big time. For, it's one of the. That's why this episode is considered a first. Uh, an episode is considered one of the best of all time when it comes to not just Chippendale Rescue Rangers as a series, but as the Disney Afternoon as a whole, because we've never, we've never ever seen any of this before with the team and we've seen hints of it but we've never seen it full on we've never seen an episode just dedicated to it in such a way in such a unique episode at that i mean heck you have dale get the the helmet that controls the tank and he's controlling it like it's nobody's business now you might say it's because oh his background he's he uh You know, you might say, oh, it's because he has a his background for, of playing video games and all that helped him out. And and that might be true, but the thing is, but the thing is, it's still showing a side of him that we've never really seen in the series. But now the question is, if Chippendale Rescue Rangers was to follow suit like DuckTales and get a retcon slash reboot in the future... Could we see a remake slash retake of this episode? Well, seeing as though DuckTales, the new DuckTales, this new season just did a retake or remake on Double O Duck, which was an original, epi- which was an episode in the original, like what, first two seasons of the 80s, the original 80s to 90s DuckTales? Seeing as though they took a, their own unique take on it, uh, with this new, with this, uh, uh, with the new Ducktales series, I should say, if the Rescue Rangers was to get a reboot slash retcon series uh, in the future, I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't be against them doing a remake or a retake, and I could see them doing it because, like I said, if they could do that with Ducktales, the new Ducktales. And do basically a new retake of Double O Duck in this universe, which of course involved the Rescue Rangers as well, believe it or not, in their uh, uh, DuckTale universe on their new generation Disney Afternoon uh, debut. If they could do that with DuckTales, I could see them doing it with Rescue Rangers. I could see them doing their own take on it. I could see that. I could see them doing a their own a retake or a remake of it. And we all know that when it comes to retakes or remakes, they're not always line for line, scene by scene, like the original. You know, they're their own thing. They can end up being their own thing. Like I said, case in point with this with this version of Double O Duck uh, in DuckTales. So I could see them doing it. I could see them doing a, a, a new version of Double O Chipmunk um, in a new Rescue Ranger series if one gets off the ground. I could see them doing that. But what I could also see, what I can also see is because they like to build story arcs for the characters through various episodes, you know, I could I could see um I could see a story arc like a rom- from a romantic perspective or a hint or tease i can see some kind of romance romantic tease or uh easter egg or whatever being thrown in there for dale and gadget if they were to do it i mean yeah you could say they pretty much did that already but again when you look at how the new ducktales series is presented and how they take 
has a creative staff behind the scenes, takes certain moments and says, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to use this episode or these moments in these episodes to build to something more from a story or character perspective. The same could be said, Ed, um, if they decide to do that with Rescue Rangers and an episode and their own version of Double O Chipmunk. I can see them doing that. I can. And I don't think anybody else would blame me for that. And like I said, I could see them following that same formula of taking certain moments out of that episode and building upon it from a story and character perspective. Like I said, you know, obviously if they were to do a reboot or retake, they know about um, the fans that support Dale and Gadget. They know that there's obviously a lot of Dale and Gadget moments in the original series. So why not build upon that in the new series and maybe tease that there might be something between them and heck even have a moment where let's say you have a, a female character like Tammy, if they bring her back in, uh, like Ian Brill did for the Boom Studio uh, comics continuation, or someone new, and have them confront Gadget, or at least talk to Gadget, and ask her, okay, you could have came up with any other idea to make Dale you know, live out a spy dream. Why did you do this? Why did you go in that direction? Unless, there's some, unless you have feelings for him, unless you have feelings that are beyond friendship for him. Again, just a thought of, again, that's just a, a thought and opinion of how they could, you know, of how they could go that route out like they do with DuckTales. So, um, obviously, yeah, I could, um, excuse me here. I got a little bit of a itch in there. But like I said, but like I said, um, I, I could see them doing that with DuckTales. I could see them doing that. I mean, not DuckTales, but I could see them doing that with Rescue Rangers, following the same pattern as DuckTales. I could see them doing that. You know, by using an episode, uh, their own version of Double O Chipmunk, their own retake, remake of it, to build upon that, kind of build towards possibly a hint of, okay, maybe there's something there between Dale and Gadget that goes beyond friendship, It'd be, I think it'd be unique to see. I really do. Um, but again, you know, it's just an opinion. It's just an opinion. But honestly, I could see uh, them doing. I, I could see them doing a um, a remake, a, of the episode. Should Rescue Rangers get a reboot like Ducktales did? I could see it. I honestly can, and I think anybody watching this or live right now, or will be watching it later, I think a lot of people would agree that you know they could see a, a retake slash remake of Double O Chipmunk in a reboot version, reboot retcon uh, version of Rescue Rangers, and they could probably also see something being built upon from a character and story perspective for later on, um, of to be explored later on. Uh, in that in the new reboot series, between characters like Dale and Gadget, because of the fact that Gadget went this far, and when one thinks about it, that was never really addressed upon or followed up on as to why she wanted to go this far, why she wanted to, you know, go and take it to this next level and do what she did and kiss Dale on the lips, even if she was playing a femme fatale. You know, that could all be explored, and I. 
explored if they touch upon that in a new series. Like, you know, use those moments to build upon and have other characters, either old or new, you know, ally-wise. Ask them, you know, why did you do this unless you have, unless you have more, unless your feelings for Dale go beyond friendship. So, again, it's just an opinion, but I could see them doing it. And Bugs, you're right, you know, <laughs> and Bugs here, Bugs Bunny, not the character Bugs Bunny, but, but somebody that has a name. Oh, that uses the name on YouTube. You're right. How could anybody like Chip not be jealous at the fact that, you know, Gadget kissed Dale or Dale got kissed on the lips before he did <laughs> uh, by Gadget? But, yeah, I could, I can honestly see them doing something like that um, in the future. I can... And, you know, that being, of course, a remake, retake of Double O Chipmunk in a rebooted retcon series of Rescue Rangers and possibly following the same direction that DuckTales does at times. I could see them building, um, you know, off of that by having someone ask Gadget why she went to all that trouble when she could have easily done something more simpler. Just saying. So just saying, just an opinion. So anyway, moving on to the next topic. I know I went on with that one for a while. I do apologize. <laughs> um, but going on to the next topic, because of course this is animation and comic books discussions. The next, <coughs> excuse me, excuse me now. Uh, the next topic, topic um, is Sally's robotization at the end of Sonic issue two thirty when it was under the Archie Sonic comic license. And from a story perspective, how it could have been avoided. Okay, so in case you guys don't know what I'm talking about, and I'm sure a lot of you do, um, around 2.25, around 2.25, well, let me put it this way. Ian Flynn... Long story short, came on board as the new head writer. And one of the things Ian Flynn wanted to do originally, and he did follow up on some of these things, was to fix a lot of situations that he felt needed to be fixed, that he felt were not necessary. So he ended up doing a lot of things that some people agreed with and some didn't. He ended up killing off unnecessary characters or removing them from a or removing them from the equation. Um uh, by using some kind of story uh, method or story logic to get them out of the picture. Or, like I said, he just ended up killing them off. Um, we see Ian Flynn, uh, we, and we, like I said, we see him fixing a lot of stuff as well. Uh, for example, um, he looks at the fact that, okay, Nicole pretty much has control of the nanites. She has a she has the ability to recreate or create her own anthropomorphic length like body. Why not have her use that power that she has to create a new home for everybody, a new Mobotropolis. So she does that. And the other thing he starts doing is he starts rebuilding the friendship well, not just the friendship, but the relationship, the love, the romance between Sonic and Sally. Yeah, he has them go through moments. We have the Iron Dominion situation um, where, well, basically, 
you kind of throw a little short summer-like romance in there between Monkey Con or Ken Con, as he's called, and Sally, and you tease something with Sonic and Amy. But then at the end of it, you have Sally realizing, you know what? You know, I still have feelings for Sonic, and, you know, the way she acted originally in the past was not becoming of her. And you have the end of the epilogue of the Iron Dominion arc with them walking off to go get some chili dogs, if you will, or lunch at Uncle at uh, Sonic's uncle's um, chili dog stand or restaurant. And then from there, you have these hints throughout all the issues building up to issue 222, hinting that they are getting back together, and 222 basically has them get back together at the end. But then we end up going into, we end up heading towards 225, the anniversary issue. We have Sally get gunned down, down by a torrent when she goes off on her own to try to stop the death egg and global roboticizer from activating or whatever. And then we have the beginning of what's known as the Genesis wave, the first one. And then after that, everything gets restored, sort of with a few changes here and there. And then at the end of that, which culminated in 230, we have Sally sacrifice herself by allowing herself to be roboticized because she was given another chance at life, thanks to Sonic doing what he did to restore the Genesis, uh, to restore things to the way they were and wipe out the first Genesis wave. And Sally's robotization, her sacrifice, it's understandable why she did it. She wanted to, you know, give back to the world, give back to those that, to Sonic and, for giving her a second chance at life, but also to make up for the fact that, you know, to make up for what she had done in the past by acting, you know, like someone she's not. So this is her own way of saying, I care about all my friends and family beyond belief that I'm willing to do this to myself to protect them. And like I said, that's where the robotization comes into play. And that's been... And that was always and still is somewhat a highly debated uh, topic uh, of debate. The fact that Sally allowed herself to be roboticized when there could have been other options. I think even in the issue, you have Nicole telling her there has to be another option. There has to be another way. And from a story perspective, there was. There was another way. You see... She has Nicole hack into the system and turn the roboticizer cannon on the death egg towards the towards the death egg or to, to the inside of the death egg to their location so that she could sacrifice herself to the roboticization and save the planet, but also damage the death egg. Here's how this could have been avoided. She has Nicole turn the thing. Couldn't she just have Nicole turn it to the side and then as soon as it blasts, it just blasts off into the air and hits nothing? And because it take, it's supposed to take, what, one beam, one shot to roboticize the entire planet? Why not have Nicole, why not have Nicole take the gun and instead of turning it like this to aim towards them, have her take essentially this, turn it to the side, and pew! Out that, out that way, thus it's a waste of a blast, and Eggman's plan fails, and Sally doesn't have to be roboticized. 
you know, why, why couldn't it have been done that way? Because, you know, why didn't they do it that way? And I understand people saying, well, from obviously Ian Flynn had bigger plans. And yeah, he did. He did have bigger plans. But um, as I said in one video um, long ago, Ben Bates actually had come out and talked about the fact that he actually told me that the original idea for Sally was you had two Sallys. Yeah. You had the Mecca Sally that was a Neo Sally. So, and you had all these different scenarios. Basically, you had Sally um, in a comatose state somewhere on the planet, you know, in a sleeping chamber, like what she was in the Princess Sally miniseries, or the her and the uh, automation, if you will. And you had this Mecha Sally, which was just nothing more than just a robot built out of, you know, built from what Sally had become, and thus became Neo Sally upon derobotization or the Genesis reboot or whatever. So, so long story short, you had Ben Bates telling me about that, and you can check that out on my channel. Just look up Ben Bates, B.W. Rosas, and there you go. Uh, but anyway, but anyway, uh, Sal. But anyway, yeah, you know, had those scenarios and everything. You know, had nothing happen behind the scenes. But the point is, is you know, I know. But like I said, what I'm getting at is, I understand people saying that Ian had reasons. Ian had a story he wanted to tell, and he did tell a story. It had its ups and downs, and it didn't. Heck, I did a video basically where I opened every issue after 247, read up on each of them. Um, if you will, or at least kind of spent, kind of skim through them to get the idea. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, you know, from a story perspective, this could have easily been avoided because all she had to do, or all Nicole had to do was say, uh, you know what, I could just aim the cannon to go this way and it'll hit nothing once it fires. There you go. You don't have to worry about the robotization. You don't have to drag people along for the ride for over a year and a half to for over a year year and a half to two years, just because you want to intend because you have the plans to because you have these original plans to build to something that never came to be due to behind the scenes issues. You know, it it's more along the lines that they could have easily avoided that, and they still could have used those issues to build to something big. You could have used it by having Eggman go on a rampage across the planet to get revenge on Sonic for, and the Freedom Fighters for what they did, destroying town after town, uh, not caring whether or not he captures somebody to roboticize them, uh, them or not, or if they end up being killed in the destruction. You know, you get you you could have utilized those next, what was it? 40, what was it, next 20, 30 issues plus to something like that, and it would have made more sense, and people would have been more invested in that, because you could have the characters talk about the destruction Eggman's leaving behind, even talk about possibly the loss of life that's come to be because of this. So, yeah, you could have had a lot of stuff here. You could have had a lot of stuff take place. A lot of stuff that would take place. Ace, 
take place, a lot of stories take place in the place of what was originally given. Because like I said, it could have easily, you could have easily had Nicole go from doing this to this. As simple as that. But they didn't do that. They didn't do that whatsoever. And that's what hurt them. That's what hurt the store. And that's what hurt them, that being the creative staff behind the series. Again, I or behind the, the story arc. I mean, I get Ian Flynn had the plan, had these plans and everything, and that's fine. But you, but you shouldn't plan on doing something if you kind of have an inkling of something beyond that could, uh, uh, if you have, I should say, an inkling of something happening that's beyond your control that may cause you to have to readapt to, situ- uh, adapt to the situation and have to change things up. So to me, honestly, I, I think when when you look at when you look at the story when you look at Sally's robotization at the end of two thirty, it was totally unnecessary. And from a story perspective, it could have been avoided by this happening, Eggman realizing what occurred, and just like at the end of two hundred, and as it was alluded to going towards two hundred, have him finally snap again to the point that he goes on this massive rampage. You know, he has he goes on this massive rampage where he still has bits of his facility or has you know somewhat of his facilities in place, but he's but it's all mostly dominated by his insanity overtaking him because he's frustrated. It's like he had a chance to roboticize the world, make it his own, and it was taken away. So, and again, that could have created a more interesting scenario by having the freedom fighters go off as a group, maybe split into groups. And basically have them kind of assess what's going on, the situations, the loss of life. Because, like I said, you could have had Eggman go, you know, go beyond the fact that oh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not just going to capture people to roboticize them anymore. I don't care if the the crossfires. I don't care anymore. I'm going crazy. You could have them with that scenario. If I can't have the planet, nobody can. So, so yeah, you know, I, I think honestly, and my finger hit the mic there. I do apologize. But I think honestly, um, they could have built upon that. They could have done that more so than they did um, with uh, this episode, uh, with the uh, with this story, Ori. And I think that's how it could have easily been avoided. You know, I understand some people again will say, "Well, he had plans," and I, again, I get that. I understand he had plans. I'm not saying he didn't, but the thing is, you would have. Saved yourself and everybody else, else, ourselves a bit of a headache if you would have just given them, if you would have just done a different kind of story. And I think, like I said, Eggman finally losing his mind. Excuse me there. But like I said, Eggman finally losing his mind and being like, you know, if I can't, you know, if I can have the world, nobody can. And he ends up going on this rampage where he has a little bit of his facilities, a bit of his facilities or his facilities still intact. But you know, it's on. You know, it's just on the verge of like enough, enough. I'm done. You know, if I can't win, nobody. If I can't rule this planet, nobody will have it. I think would have worked better. I, I really do. I really think it would have worked better, and I think anybody watching this would agree. Because, again, I understand, you know, Ian Flynn had plans and he wanted to follow through on them. 
But like I was trying to say, you obviously had to have some kind of inkling of something going on beyond the scenes that was beyond your control and that you would have to adapt to the situation. So, but that's just my thing. That's just my opinion. This, this, but again, it's just my opinion on how I feel it could have been easily uh, avoided. It really, it's again, it's really my, my opinion on it. Okay. So the next one we want to talk about here, because right now it's about 7.05 a.m. I still got some time. But the next thing I want to talk about here um, let's see. Hold on for a sec. Just checking something new for a second. Okay. So the next thing I want to talk about here is Number three, why IDWs, as freelance as they can be, seem more willing to ship the main six, or in this case, main seven slash eight, over the creative staff of the animated series of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Okay, so as you probably noticed in the animated portion of Friendship is Magic, they did tease some romances uh, between, for the main characters, but the only... But, the furthest and the closest they went was by taking Applejack's brother and Pinkie Pie's sister and pairing them with different characters. Big Mac with Applejack's brother, Big Mac with Sugar Bell, who we got introduced to in season five and Mod Pie with Mud Briar in season eight, which a lot of people even voice of reason pretty much said is a Sheldon pony Sheldon of big bang theory. So, so yeah, that's the closest they went. They've te- like I said, they've teased romances. Heck, again, the biggest, the longest uh, tease of a romance, officially, unofficially, implied, indicated, whatever, was between has been and still is between Spike and Rarity. With a lot of people, even myself, kind of believing that something did happen between the two uh, romantically that got them together. So. You know, so you have a lot of that. You have a lot of that. You, you know, you look at the spinoff connecting series of Questrue Girls. You have the thing with Twilight and Flash Century, especially when she comes back and she bumps into the Pony Guard version of Flash Century. So, yeah, you know, you have all these moments: Rainbow Dash, Soren, Fluttershy, Discord. Um, I think even Applejack and Temple Wolf, or Applejack and Carmel. You have all these different ships that have been teased, eased, hinted at, and have had the moments in the series. But when you compare the animated version to the comic book version by IDW, it seems IDW is more willing to go further with the ships than uh, the animated series. Now, I haven't read the comic book series, the comics that much, but from what I have seen uh, during certain panels and all that, and from what I've heard, it seems IDW is more willing to go in that direction. Why is that, you might ask? Well, because as I say in the parentheses, they're more freelanced, I think, than the animated series. They have more leeway. You know, so they're able to kind of at least put a little bit of a romance in there for some of the characters. Like Spike and Rarity, you know, they could you know, if they wanted to, and I don't know if they did or they didn't, they could go and say, okay, 
let's build upon that relationship even more so. In fact, in fact, you know, they did build upon it. You know, you take a look at last year's, last year's annual uh, holiday special issue that they did. The main story was Spike accompanying or going on a date with Rarity to all these different events that she had promised to attend so she could mingle with people, maybe make some business contacts and all that. So you essentially just had Spike in one panel saying, hey, you would would you like company? And Rarity being acceptive of it. Like, all he had to do was ask her, hey, you want company? <laughs> Gets himself a date. Who knew? Who knew? Um, but the point is, the point is, when you look at IDW comics, in fact, if you look at any comics that adapt a franchise into comic book form, even if it has an animated series counterpart, they're more willing to... How do I put it? They're more willing to go a little further in certain areas than the animated series. And especially when it comes to romance, they're more willing to go that far. And again, that's definitely showcased in uh, certain issues. Certain issues, it's showcased, like I said, uh, with uh, special issues like the holiday, annual holiday issues, stuff like that. It's all shown in a way that you would ask yourself, okay, why didn't IDW do this? You know, not IDW, but why didn't DHX All Spark Animation do this? You know, which is a good question, but I think it's mostly because of the fact that the series originally and pretty much to the end was meant for kids, younger kids and all that, to help teach them life lessons and all that but evolved into something more that I think was beyond even the creator, Lauren Faust's uh, perspective. Even though she had plans to make a series everybody could enjoy, I don't think she had any idea it was going to become what it did. But yeah, you know, the thing is, when you look at IDW Comics, they're more willing uh, to go the route of shipping the main six, main seven, main eight, if you will, with other characters, or maybe even within the group, depending on if you're LGBTQ, uh, than the animated series. I mean, the only indication we ever got of shipping of the characters in the animated series was towards the end. Pinkie Pie married to Cheese Sandwich, Applejack and Rainbow together, maybe a little bit of implication, implication, if you will, of Spike and Rarity, Fluttershy Discord. That's the only other time. That's the only time, really, from a official, a semi-official kind of uh, perspective, that we see it. That's that's the only time. And and I and I know I know some people are going to say, well, we that's not entirely true. There's no officially said. And here's the thing, that might be true. That's, you know, and here's the thing, I should say, that is indeed true. You know, it's not officially said, but I think it's too obvious, especially in that final episode, that the, that something from a romantic standpoint happened between all the characters. So, again, it, it's just my opinion. But when you compare the two versions of Friendship is Magic, the animation and the comic book version, the IDW comic's more willing to go this route than the animation one. 
heck, the final panel we see at the end of the Nightmare Rarity arc is all of the main characters, you know, all of the main six, main seven, if you will, you know, sitting or lying down on a cliff looking up into the sky at the moon, and you have Rarity with her arm around Spike, and you see this little heart emoji. And Spike's the one that's the freaking final piece of the puzzle to help restore her, you know, or free her from being nightmare, a nightmare rarity. You know, so you have stuff like that. You have moments like that that not even animated series would have gone, you know, gone to, if you know what I mean. So, you know, yeah, you know, is the, does the animated series go a little further at times? I mean, does the comic book go further when it comes to romance at times? Absolutely. It does go further. There's no doubt. I mean, you you want a tease of, of romance, if you will. You want a tease of romance. Take a look at the photo montage at the end of Cancel Out Wedding doing the song Love is in Bloom. And then you take a look at what well, somewhat at the beginning or somewhat at the beginning or early portion of the season seven premiere, and there's two things you see. What are the two things you see? Sweetie Belle and Spike dancing together. Was Megan McCarthy, because she was the executive producer at the time, was she trying to get the writing staff to be like, uh, yeah, you hit, throw that in there, because not only is it cute and adorable, but it kind of teases that something might happen. You know, again, excuse me there, was, was she trying to hint at something? Who knows? Um, yeah, that is kind of... Yeah, that, but that's opi- people's opinion bugs. You know, because... And, and, and that's one thing Bugs brought up there. There was a teasing of a ship between Marble Pie and Big Mac, even though it's pretty much hinted at that there might be a bit of relativity between the two characters even if it's a long-distance kind of relativity. And that is indeed true. That is indeed true. But I think the reason they ship Marble Pie with Big Mac is because of the fact that since by this time, it's pretty much established that Fluttershy is probably going to end up with Discord, that Xnays the Fluttershy Big Mac ship, and Marble Pie being clo- the closest thing to a Fluttershy, was the next best thing. But I think because of the fact that we don't see the Pie Sisters as much and we see Big Mac more, I think it was obvious that they were gonna, that either they were it was either obvious that they were not going to ship him with anybody or they wanted to throw us a curve. And that's what they did. They threw us a curve when it came to Sugar Bell. But anyway, you know, the IDW comics, like I said, came back on topic, all more willing to go these routes. Else, more so than the animated series, and I think that's an obvious. Um, I think that's very obvious uh, in the minds of a lot of people. Like I said, if, you know, if they wanted to, they could easily have. Um, like I said, you know, if they want to, you know, they could easily do an issue down the line. Now that they're heading into the season ten portion of the comic book series. They could easily, in it or one of the spinoffs, put Spike and Rarity together. They could easily say, "Okay, let's put uh, Carmel and Applejack together," or "Let's put Applejack and Rainbow together." Let's show how that happened. 
you know, stuff like that. Or let's dedicate an episode to or an issue to Lyra and Bonbon getting married because we see them proposing to each other in the we see them proposing to each other in the background of the Big Mac question. We see that. So, so yeah, you know, we, we see that happening. We see that. So, you know, if the comics wanted to, they could do all that. Heck, they could even go the Sweetie Belle spike route if they wanted to. Just saying. But the point is, when it comes to IDW Comics, and it's not just because I'm going off that last panel at the end of Nightmare Rarity. But when you look at it as a whole, and you look at comic books as a whole, when they do adaptations of franchises, well, they of the of franchises at the same time that they have animated uh, adaptations, the willing the the reason they're more willing to go down these routes, like I said, is because they're a little bit more freelance, and they realize that the majority of people that read comics are older readers, are people that are growing up with the series, but would have a more understanding of what. Uh, is addressed in the comic than they would in an animated series, even if the animated series did address similar topics. And MLPFIM did do that on both occasions, but you but you kind of get what I'm saying, right? The point is, when you get down to it, it's all depending, it all depends on on the people behind the comic. And I know there's a lot of people that are hoping with the season 10 portion of the comics that we get some kind of clarification of romance of any perspective, Spike and Rarity, Applejack, Rainbow, uh, maybe maybe Twilight and Flash, who knows? You know, stuff like that. They're hoping we get something. And eventually we will. And when I talk about the comics being more freelance, the animated series had to wait to the last what was it, two episodes to include Tempest Shadow physically in person, along with Capper. The comics didn't wait too long. They said, you know what? We're more freelance. We're going to do this. We're going to build upon what happens afterwards. And there you go. So I think... So... So I think, honestly, you know, the comics are more willing. It's obvious. They're more willing to do it than the animated series, even though the animated series has hinted at it at times. I mean, heck, Friendship is Forever, which is like the mid-pelage, as I call it, of the series that takes place between after the final battle and Twilight's coronation, the first episode, Addressing Memories, touches upon Spike and Rarity. I mean, come on. I mean, the fact that Twilight's talking about her relationship with Spike, how it's changed, but Spike's always going to be very special to her. Special to her, and you have you know Spike, Spike with the heart emojis, emojis, oh, little heart symbols coming up above him, blushing, smiling, and the starlight looking over at him as the pictures are, or the video, or the uh, memories are appearing in the book, kind of giving him this look like, oh, I see what this is about, kind of deal. Like, come on, it's it's still there. It's still there, but again, besides that, it seems that the comic, the comics are more willing to uh, address a romance and probably put the characters in romantic situations than the animated series, in my opinion. 
And if you don't believe me, read the comics. Read the holiday, the new, the recent holiday edition from 2019, and then look at that last panel from Nightmare Rarity arc. And you'll kind of see what I'm saying. And you might see other um, hints and moments as well in the comic. Again, like I said, I haven't caught up with the comics as much, but there's something there, obviously. But obviously, you could probably tell that there's something that they that they do do things beyond what the the comic uh, the series does. There's no doubt. Okay, so number four, and I got to wrap this up quickly, real soon, because I got to get myself ready. Uh, number four, could we end up seeing more adult or oral? Okay. Number four, could we end up seeing more adult or all-ages animated series like The Midnight Gospel, which is currently on Netflix, debut in the coming years? Now, uh, The Midnight Gospel, uh, basically, I'm sure a lot of people have talked about this already. It's a new animated series by the people, by the individual that created uh, Adventure Time. The animation, the Flash animation, 2D animation, it's not as smooth as Adventure Time. It's kind of a little stiff. But basically, it's one of those. It's a it's a limited series. It's probably going to get another uh, eight episodes in the future. But it's a limited series that is basically. Let's put it this way: If you're on drugs, or if you're drunk, it's the kind of series that you'll enjoy because it is psychedelic trippiness at its weirdness. Because long story short, uh, this character named Chad, voiced by real life pod a real-life podcaster by the name of Duncan, uses this virtual reality machine to go to these different worlds uh, before the destruction or something like that. And he goes to these different worlds by choosing an avatar that's going to represent what he's going to look like in that world or that could be relatable or connected to that world. And he goes to all these different scenarios as this avatar. He even adapts to being the av- that avatar uh, for quite some time, from what I can tell. In fact, one of the trippiest episodes where he becomes an avatar, he becomes like a chicken-like squid, like octopus character, whatever, but it's mostly like a chicken. It's on this planet that's all about processing meat or something. Long story short, he ends up being grounded into meat along with the people, along with the characters he's trying to interview for his podcast. And there are sometimes where he just remains silent and just enjoys being processed into meat or something like that. You know, it's that kind of craziness and quirky, weirdness and trippiness and psychedelicness that I think people enjoy in this kind of stuff. Oh, that's making it stand out on Netflix because it's by the person that did Adventure Time, which is was a successful cartoon network and was trippy on its own right at times, but nothing like this. And this is more adult targeted. So the question is, though, will we see more like this in the future, in the coming years? And I think we will. I honestly think we will. I think we are at a time now to where when you look at a lot of stuff of on DeviantArt, on sites like DeviantArt or Tumblr or Pico or whatever you want to call it, these all these artistic stream sites as well, and you see how weird some of the stuff could be or psychedelic they could be, you're like, man, why, why are people coming up with these ideas? I mean, you have... You know, you have uh, groups dedicated to women turning into goo, into slime girls, and fusing together to become one slime girl. You have character. You have things with character. We you have people that do art and stories of women melting into puddles and enjoying it. 
stuff like that. You have all this weirdness and uniqueness that you wouldn't think would apply to being an animated series, but Midnight Gospel pretty much proves you wrong. So could we end up seeing stuff like Midnight Gospel, more series like this with adult or all ages, um, animated-wise in the future? Absolutely. I could see um, someone that I've talked about before. I could see someone like Mr. Internet Man's Demonica slash Veronica character and Exotica Rebecca character in their own series on Netflix, you know, building upon what Midnight Gospel does. And that's the trippiness, the weirdness, because of the fact that both the mischief, both of, because both alter egos of Rebecca and Veronica, the mischievous demon elves, Demonica and Exotica, can turn themselves into anyone or anything. You know, they could shapeshift into anyone. They could shapeshift into anything. They can melt into puddles of goo. They can fuse together. I mean, possibilities are endless. You know, so I, I could see, I could see stuff like that happening. You know, I could see minor dash alterations. Uh, stories like the Mnemonica series that they did based on Mr. Internet Man's character um, becoming a series. I could see the new series, The Model and the Symbian, becoming a series in the veins of Midnight Gospel because Midnight Gospel pretty much kicks down the door and says, look, there is room for this kind of psychedelic weirdness kind of animation and you could apply, and at the same time, you apply a story to it. At the same time, you're applying a story that pretty much is easy to follow. Might be a bit complicated, but it, you know, in the end, it's easy to follow, and you'll connect the dots with. So I could see them doing that. I, I could see them honestly doing that. You know, heck, Doodly Dude, as he's known on DeviantArt, is all about fusions and doing a series. You know, fusion fusing characters together, his own original characters, and all that. I could see an animated series based around his concept or concept like that being on Netflix or Amazon or Hulu that follows suit like Midnight Gospel. And it would work. You could have a, a coherent story to go along with it. So uh, there's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of possibilities. And I could see these kind of things that I just mentioned coming in the coming years because of a show like Midnight Gospel opening the door. I could see that. I really can. So anyway, finally, number five, and I got to, like I said, wrap this up because I got to get ready for work. Finally, number five, with all these animated series reboots slash retcons debuting over the debuting over the past couple of years, and with more on tap in the upcoming future, what other classic animated series could we see getting the same treatment or getting that same treatment? And that's a good question. The window is open. The window is open to all kinds of possibilities. And to me, I could see a lot of series. Like I could see Heathcliff and the Cadillac Cats, either like they were in the early to mid-80s or individually on their own with their own individual series based on both concepts. I could see them getting a reboot, a retcon, if you will, for the new generation. I could see Silverhawks getting a reboot retcon without, but not, I should say, going the route of Thundercats Roar, but going the route that they did in 2011-2010 with Thundercats, I could see them doing the same with Silverhawks. I could see 
um, Gargoyles from Disney getting a renaissance, getting a reboot, and being a bit darker maybe in tone. Um, I could see Kim Possible, believe it or not, getting a reboot or Redcon, a continu- or a continuation reboot Redcon, you know, following her days in, in college. Yeah, even the Looney Tunes, they're kind of getting a reboot, retcon, remake uh, this year with H- with the Looney Tunes show on HBO Max. There's a good example right there. And when you look at like one of the first uh, cartoon shorts that WB Kids has put on the YouTube page, it's basically a hybrid of what they were in the past and what they are now. So that's pretty cool. Um, I could see Galaxy Rangers, Adventures of the Galaxy Rangers. Um, you know, getting a reboot or remake. Jason the Wild Warriors. Mask. You know, which is now under Hasbro. I can see that. Um, what else? I could heck, I could see reboot. Reboot getting one. Technology is advanced. You can do reboot and show, and basically the premise is to show how far technology has come, even for them. So I could see a lot of these. Animaniacs, again, another good example by Bugs here. They're getting a show later on this year that's supposed to be on Hulu and maybe even HBO Max. They can stay true to what the series was, us, involving Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, and Pinky in the Brain, as well as characters like Minerva, Slappy Squirrel, oh, Katie Kaboom, and all that. Heck, I've even said and. You know, that I could see them doing more Maneuver Mink shorts now because they would be more free, they would be less restraints. And I could see an epi- a, a Maneuver Mink cartoon where she would end up doing like she did in the first two, and that's melt into a puddle of goo, do the lustful melt gag, but this time seep into the ground and then pop up. And then all of a sudden you see this big old flower pop up, up, and then you see a bloom, and out comes Maneuver sliding down one of its petals. I could see that. You know, again, I could see that happening. You know, I could see Goldie Gold and Action Jack. If you watch TV Trash by Chris Moore, I could, or Rowdy C, I could see something like that getting a remake or a retcon for this new generation. You know, heck, they did it with Wacky Races on Boomerang. I think they could do it now. They did it with Binocula, Binocula I think, Bunnyocula. They did it with him. So I can see them doing it. Heck, they're doing it with the Hannibal Barrow characters with Jellystone. And they're planning to basically do a cinematic universe starting with Scoop. So I can see a lot of that. I can see a lot of those properties. So I can see a lot of properties from the past getting that kind of treatment. I really could. I could see Gachamon, a.k.a. Battle of the Planets, getting that treatment. You know, Robotech getting that treatment. I can see a lot of it. But again, that's just my opinion. Like I said, that's just, you know, my opinion on it. But there's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of possibilities. I could see Disney doing remakes of Gravity Falls or continuation remakes, reboots of Gravity Falls, of, you know, of of Star versus the Forces of Evil. I could see that. I could see a Tailspin reboot or remake based on you know what we're going to see with Kit and Molly. I could see that. The point is, 
these are just shows, in my opinion, that I could see happening. I could see Jim and the Holograms getting one, for goodness sake. It, that could be done in a style that attracts everybody's attention and probably is a success like Friendship is Magic. Who knows? I could, but again, the possibilities are endless. The possibilities are just endless. And I think it's just up to whoever owns the properties to say, okay, let's remake this and see what happens. So I could see that. Heck, I can see Inhumanoids, which is a Hasbro property nobody really talks about that much, getting a remake, especially in time for Halloween. So, again, I could see a lot of this. I could see a lot of this stuff occurring. A lot of these shows getting this opportunity. But, but we'll have to wait and see what occur, what occurs and what shows will get greenlitted. We really do. So, Anyway, though, guys, that's pretty much all I'm going to say on it. I've got to get myself ready for work now. But thank you all for watching. Thank you all for coming into the live chat and watching, uh, listening to what I had to say. Uh, let me know what you all think down below. Comment if you like. I'd love to hear what each and every one of you have to say on this. And, you know, that's about it. So I'll talk to you later. I might try to put some videos up during the day uh, while I work. You know, maybe do some discussion videos during lunch or during my breaks. Um, but that's totally up in the air uh, right now. But my only focus as I speak is to get ready for work. So, again, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Comment down below if you didn't do so in this live chat. And I will talk to you all later. God bless. Take care. I'm out. Stay safe and stay home if you have to. Thank <laughs> you.